Um, if you're still coming in, take your time to get settled. I'm going to read just a few verses uh, from Philippians 4. And uh, as I told the first group, y'all are probably going to get tired of hearing me say Richie Sessions' name uh, because uh, there's a lot of overlap from what he said last night to uh, today. I mean, even this text that I'm reading from, just to open us up, I mean, this is what he preached from last night. I'm not going to get through it like he did. Um, We're kind of going to jump around to a lot of different scriptures today. Um, But this was the text that he had picked out and um, already had it picked out and didn't know he was doing that. So uh, Philippians 4, uh, verses 4 through 7. This is God's Word. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us. And if you're trying to get to your seat, keep walking. Don't, you don't have to stop while I pray. That's fine. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank You so much for the treasure of Your Word, um, to be able to read it, uh, to be reminded of Your comfort, Your peace that You bring in the midst of anxieties. Um, Father, I admit that there are so many times where I see Your Word as boring. I see Your Word as uh, something that might not be relevant to my life. And I'm sure that's true of of many in this room. Um, I pray, Lord, though, that You would help us to see the absolute treasure that Your Word is to us and how Your Word meets us uh, in our anxieties and reminds us of Your goodness, of Your faithfulness, of Your fatherly care of Your children. Uh, So, Lord, on this last day as we open up Your Word and we look to it to receive encouragement and strength in the midst of our anxieties, I pray, Spirit, that You would help us to focus on Your Word as we are all weary, as we are all um, tired from just a full week at RYM. I pray that You'd speak to us. Um, Fathers, we know Your Word tells us there is an evil one who uh, lurks around to snatch up seeds of truth that are scattered. And so, as we look at God's Word and teach from God's Word. We know uh, that the evil one is around. We ask that You would protect us from him. That You would allow Your Word to go forth. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Alright, so just some review. It's kind of weird since we weren't here yesterday. It seems like it's been a little while uh, since we've been together. Uh, Some of the things that we've been talking about Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, anything that's Kind of one thing that stuck with y'all, something that you might have already known or something that's new. Uh, what are some things that we've discussed, just to jog our memories a little bit? Awkward. Nobody's raising their hand. So nobody's learned anything? Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thanks for bringing that. I hope. I mean, part of the part of the point of that is just to to normalize some of your stress 
to see like, wow, I mean, it's crazy what all you're dealing with each and every day. And to kind of flesh out what Jesus Christ said, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Like there's enough trouble in each day. And so just to look at your schedules, but to also hopefully highlight some of the things you're struggling with, to kind of pinpoint some of your anxiety and help you deal with it a little bit more. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Anything else? What did I say is true? I'm sorry, you had your hands up. Go ahead, you first. Okay, worry doesn't work. It's one of those simple and profound statements. Jesus Christ is saying, you're going to destroy yourself. I mean, who can add an hour to their lifespan by any kind of worry, as Jesus said? Good. Should you have your hand up? <laughs> yeah. That's true, yeah. The, the amount of sleep that professional athletes get, to me, I'll even say it doesn't sound accurate. Um, I can tell you I read it in a book. I mean, I left out some of the other athletes they mentioned. Um, and I know it's like, well, who cares? It's in a book. This one's an accurate book that had research and all that. Um, but yeah, LeBron James, 12 hours. I mean, we know he has somewhat of a party life. We see that on social media. So um, I don't know. Maybe he gets naps in there. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to think about that. Somebody, you had your hand up? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, just thinking about uh, kind of the the spectrum of stress that there's the the mental kind of stress that you deal with, emotional, but also physical, all of that, just kind of the broad spectrum of stress, kind of thinking about the variety there. Um, anything else anybody wants to say before we get started? I hope to have a little bit of time for uh, some Q&A, hopefully. Um, but you might not have any questions, so we'll see. So look, today we're answering the question, how should we deal with worry? Um, as I said, this one is hopefully giving you some practical things you can do as you leave here uh, to deal with your, your worry. Um, because some of you, and I know some churches traveled from far away, some of you might be leaving tonight to head back home. Some of you are leaving early tomorrow morning. And so it could be, you know, now that we're approaching the end of the week, you're starting to think about all these things that are back home. All these things that are going to start churning up anxiety, um, stress in your life. And so giving you these things um, that can hopefully help as you, as you get back home. Uh, so, so the first thing, and I guess some of this too should say, is kind of elaborating on day one of how do we you know, hide in God when we kind of talked about that. We're going to be fleshing that out as well as fleshing out a theology of pain a little bit more as well. Um, but the first thing I want us to, to think about and to know is that you will have to deal with worry. Right? You will have to deal with worry. Um, how many of you in this room have seen the movie uh, The Incredibles? Raise your hand if you've seen. I would think almost everyone. I would like to know if it's like 100% of people in this room. Okay, y'all remember this scene at the end uh, where Syndrome you know, has kidnapped Jack-Jack and goes up into the plane and then Jack-Jack goes insane and starts attacking him. And then Syndrome gets sucked up into the jet and the jet explodes and... You know, Mr. Incredible throws Elastigirl up to save Jack-Jack, and she's falling down kind of as a parachute. And as she's falling down holding Jack-Jack, 
you know, explosion is going off in the background. Everything's blowing up, and she's like, everything's okay. It's all right. Don't worry about anything. She's just kind of comforting Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack can see, like, stuff's blowing up behind you. Like, this is crazy. But she's just comforting him. And, and what I think, sometimes in Christianity, we think we should have the Elastigirl mindset. That we should just kind of have this aloof mindset of everything's okay. Everything's fine. Don't worry. But that's not accurate. That's not right. Um, as we've said, you live in an insane world with legitimate fears, with legitimate suffering. And part of the reason why I say you will have to deal with worry I think this is some of what we... When we're thinking about dealing with our worry, uh, some of what we're trying to do is to just get rid of it and have this quote-unquote happy life. But I think if we dig down into that, what we're really wanting is to be free from God. That sometimes, if we're, we're honest... We want to get to a point where we just don't need God. Where we just want to be able to have a happy life and move on. Um, but, but oftentimes I think what we need to realize is that when we have anxiety that we're dealing with, that as we might be praying about this one thing of God, Please remove this from my life. God, this is causing me so much stress. Please fix this. That if He removed it, we would turn our backs on Him. That it could be that that's the one thing that's keeping you connected to God. That's the one thing that's keeping you praying to God. And we can think of the Apostle Paul. He begged and he pleaded, God, remove this thorn from me. We don't know what that is. Some people think a lot of different things. But he begged and he pleaded for God to remove this thorn from him. God did not. And God said, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul was able to say, When I am weak, then I am strong. And so it could be that whatever it is in your life that's causing you this anxiety, this worry, the Lord is, is using that. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. But just to see that you're not just going to figure this worry thing out. That I hope you didn't come to this elective thinking, okay, by the end of the week, I'm going to have it done. Anxiety is just going to be in the past. I won't have to deal with it anymore. That the sobering reality is, until you go home to be with the Lord, you're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have stress. As kind of borrowing a phrase from somebody else, um, anxiety is a normal part of an abnormal world. Anxiety is just part of a fallen world um, that we've got to, to be dealing with. And a second truth I want you to know is that you should fear. You should fear. Alright, if you remember, I said fear is a large umbrella and anxiety and worry falls under that large umbrella of fear. But there is some fear that is good. And the Bible actually talks about some fear that is good. But one thing specifically Jesus Christ says is this, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. 
Jesus Christ is telling you to fear. Fear Him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So please listen to me. If you're asleep, okay? If, you're, if your neighbor is asleep, nudge them awake. If you're on your phones, which yes, I can see that, by the way, um, put them down just a second. I know you're all using the Bible app. It's okay. Um, serious question. The cliched question. Do you know where you're going when you die? Do you know where you're going when you die? You have a soul that will live forever and ever and ever. It will either be with Jesus Christ for eternity or separated from Him for all eternity. And please, if you can hear the sound of my voice and you're still on your smartphone, what does that say about your soul? This is the ultimate question we've got to be wrestling with. And Jesus Christ said Himself, we should fear this. We should have a sobering reality that there is either hell or heaven that awaits each and every one of us. And it's vital that we stop and we think about that. Because again, these are straight from Jesus Christ that we need to be wrestling with this. And as somebody brought up to me, another youth worker from somewhere else said, thinking about this evangelistically, that if, if you're here and you know for sure that you're a Christian, and please hear me, I'm not trying to get anyone to doubt salvation in here. So many Scriptures that should feed our assurance. If your name is written in the, the book of life that Richie talked about last night, it cannot be jotted out. That John 10 tells you once God has you in the palm of His hand, no one is strong enough to take you out. So please do not doubt if you're a Christian here and you know you have a friend that is not, talk to them about this. Talk to them. And I know how awkward that can be to try to share the Gospel. But as again, this, this other youth worker was telling me, look, get at the Gospel through their anxieties. As I said, every human is afraid and every human is hiding. Start talking to them about their fears. Talking to them about where they're hiding and get to the Gospel through that. But this is something that it's not like, oh, I'll think about hell tomorrow. And I'll put heaven off until later. This is something to sincerely wrestle with now on this trip. And if you're here and you've, you know you're not a believer and you're not in church at all, we are excited that you're here and we want you here. And I pray that you have felt welcome this week. But, but if you're here, talk to somebody about that this week. Talk to a leader here, a chaperone, a friend, someone, please. Um, it's vitally important. Again, Jesus tells us we should be sobered by this reality. Number three, as I said, you must have a theology of pain. Part of the reason I'm bringing this up, um, many reasons, but one of them is there's been a lot of research that's been published lately. I mean, many books talking about students who grow up in the church and then leave the church when they get to college. That a lot of the statistics are pretty staggering. That those who actually grew up in the church leave the church, turn their back on the church when they get to college. And some people think part of it is the church has not prepared them for pain and prepared them for suffering. And so telling you, I mean, the Bible does not sugarcoat this. From Genesis to Revelation, you will see a great deal of pain and suffering. 
And sometimes that can sound shocking, but it's like, okay, we're calling ourselves Christians, which means we identify with Jesus Christ. Was His life easy and happy? No. He was betrayed by all of His closest friends, nailed to a cross. That's the man we're identifying with. We must expect pain and suffering. Um, I was going to put a gross picture up here for a second. Um, If any of you were in my elective last year, you saw this. I had neck surgery two years ago. And so this is going to be an incision on my neck. It's not super gross, but I just tell you that uh, so you can look away if you don't want to look. Um, And yes, partially to wake you up a little bit if you're tired. So, yes. (laughs) That's okay. Hey, look, you should react that way. Honestly... I reacted that way because, you know, they put, they put you in one of those really cool neck braces that look awesome when you're walking around in public. And I finally, you know, after I got out of my drugged stupor for a couple of days, I took that off in the mirror and I thought, this, I was like, oh my goodness. I cannot believe how big this was. Um, question. Did this hurt? Easy answer. Okay. You're definitely all asleep. Yes, it hurt. It hurt very bad. And I know like somebody said, well, there's anesthesia. Yes, okay. I was out cold when they did this. But when I woke up, I can tell you it's some of the worst pain I've ever had in my life. And I'm not joking when I say this. Thank God for pain meds. Um, that's a grace from God, seriously. Um, so yes, it hurt. Now, next question. Okay, I'll just go ahead and tell you. It's just as easy of an answer. Were the doctors trying to help me? Good. Okay. I'm not trying to be overly graphic when I say this. Listen. The doctors literally slit my throat open. Literally. Okay. They were not these sick freaks that are just like, let's cut this guy's throat open. Like, hungry for violence. They were like, we need to fix this guy. The only way we can do it is slitting his throat open. But we're going to help him. Okay? We put a metal plate in my spine um, to help me. What you need to realize is that pain is like a scalpel in the hand of God. Oh, yeah, I can get this off just for y'all. Uh, I'm just going to leave that out the rest of the time. Pain is like a scalpel in the hand of God. God cuts you sometimes. God brings pain in your life, but He's not a sick deity. He's trying to help you. He knows you've got something inside of you that is killing you, and He's got to cut you open to get it out. And so that's part of our theology of pain, is that God has purposes for it. You've got to know that. Listen, there are some people who don't want to believe that God is over pain. That that happens um, outside of His control. That's terrifying if you believe that. And we can get into a lot of discussions on that. I know it can open a lot of can, a can of worms. But to know a loving, good, faithful, just God is sovereign over your pain is an encouragement. Even when something tough comes about to know, I don't understand what's going on. This hurts incredibly bad, but I do know He's good. And I can trust Him even though I don't know what's going on right now. And so clinging to that in the midst of pain. And so what are some of those purposes? This goes along with this. Listen, one of His main purposes, if not the main purpose of pain, 
is to draw you closer to Him. It's to draw you closer to Him. And very simply, one of the ways we get closest to God is by reading the Bible and by praying. And I know that can sound incredibly boring to so many of you here. And I admit, when I was in high school, if I was sitting out there hearing that, I would have been like, I don't read anything. That's boring and I'm not going to do that. But we have to know that God, this is how God speaks to us, through His Word. As you open it up and as you read it, that is literally Him speaking to you. Him talking to you. And you praying back to Him. I mean, look, look at this psalm. Psalm 119. It is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. Um, I can read that. You can hear what I just read. It can go in one ear and out the other. That is stupid to the world. That is insane for anyone to say, it's good for me that I went through pain. It's good for me that I went through suffering. The psalmist is saying, it's good for me because it helped me understand the Bible more. As a seminary professor of mine said, the Bible would not make sense apart from pain. The Bible wouldn't make sense apart from suffering. Genesis to Revelation, you're going to see a lot of pain and suffering. And let me say this, that if, you, if you're a person who is anxious all the time, and you never read the Bible, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not saying that if you start reading the Bible, all your worries will go away. But I can tell you, I mean, one time recently, I was very anxious about something. And I opened up God's Word, and I read a psalm and began to pray a psalm back to God and was comforted and did receive peace in that moment. I can tell you that firsthand. And again, I'm not saying that's going to happen every time. But just think about this crazy, maybe this could really happen. That God's infinite, eternal, supernatural Word could actually help you with your anxieties. Could it be that it might have enough power to do that in your life? And so knowing that God draws you in to know Him more through pain and through suffering. And so reading the Bible, praying to God. As Richie said, one word prayers, help. I'm serious, I've prayed that prayer many times. Help me. That's a prayer. You don't have to think of all of this fancy language. When you say, help me, you're saying, God, I am weak, you are strong. God, please, come into this moment. I don't know what to do, but help me. And that goes along with the next one, to grow your knowledge of God. Because as I've heard someone say, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. We worship the Gospel. The Bible tells us who Jesus Christ is. Um, I know John Piper said something one time that was really encouraging to me. He says that we aren't, that he's not changed by books. That oftentimes, sometimes he'll read a book and he can't even remember all of the book. He says that he's changed by sentences. That sometimes a sentence, just one sentence from a book, sticks with him. And if I had to think about one of the most significant sentences, uh, something from John Calvin, probably one of his most famous quotes, it is this. 
He says, to know self, we must know God. And to know God, we must know self. Now, I know that's really early, and that's kind of like, okay, what exactly did he just say? To know ourselves, we must know God. To know God, we must know self. So it's kind of what he's saying is this, like, none of us can fully grasp infinity, okay? When we say God is infinite, but we do know what it means to be finite. So when we look at our finiteness, that can help us understand infiniteness, infinity. Sorry, it's early, whatever. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Um, It can be hard for you to understand righteousness, but when you look at your nasty, sinful heart, you can understand it more. So that's what, that's what he's saying. And so what I mean when I'm, I'm putting this up here is you cannot truly know who you are apart from God. You will not know yourself if you do not know God. Again, looking back at Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Jesus Christ, who's just a little bit smarter than all of us in this room, ended His talk on anxiety talking about this. Why in the world would He point us in this direction? Getting us to think about God. Um, Some of you may know this. What is the most frequent command of God in the Bible? Do you all know what the most frequent command of God? Anyone? It's this. Do not fear. Isn't God harsh to command something like that? What a jerk, right? To command that to us. Do not fear. Variations of that is the the most repeated command of God. And oftentimes, do not fear, I am with you. But here's a question I have Who cares? If we're honest, some of you are going to think that. Who cares, John? Who cares because my parents are getting a divorce? Do not fear. I'm terrified. God says don't fear. Well, who cares? They're getting a divorce. Who cares? My child was diagnosed with cancer. Do not fear. How can you tell me not to fear? John, every day I go to school and I get made fun of and I get mocked and my life is miserable. And God says, do not fear. I'm afraid every day I walk in the school halls. Who cares? And so we've got to see when we can hear these you know, do not fear commands, we've got to be asking, well, look, who is it who can make this statement? Who is it who is telling us not to fear? It would be kind of like this for an example. If you're driving your car or riding in a car and your car broke down on the side of the road and you pulled over and you got out and you popped the hood and smoke just pours out and you're like, great, what am I going to do? Somebody walks up and they kind of pat you on the shoulder and they say, hey, don't worry about it. It's fine. Everything's okay. While smoke's pouring out, you would rightly ask, well, who are you? And they'd say, well, I'm a mechanic. You're like, oh. Okay, I can listen to you because I don't have a clue. It's like a comedian says, uh, he doesn't have a clue about his car, but sometimes he just pops the hood to act like he knows what he's doing, you know, just so he doesn't look like an idiot. Um, well, a mechanic can say, don't worry about it. 
It's okay, I can fix this. It's the same with God. When He's saying, do not fear, He's the only one who can make that claim. Because He is supreme. Because He is in control. And so what we have to wrestle with, when we hear, do not fear, and we're just kind of like, yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. Sincere question is, do you know the God of the Bible? Do you really know God? We've got to to wrestle with that because the reality is, this is true of everyone in this room, myself included, you don't know God. And I don't know God. Do you know why? He's eternal. We know like a speck of Him right now. And Lord willing, when we go to heaven, we're going to spend the rest of our lives getting to know Him because you cannot get to the end of Him. And you will never know Him fully. But we can grow our knowledge, and we should grow our knowledge of God while on this earth. And so, you know, as we're part of kind of this this knowledge of God, as I was talking about praying and just praying simple prayers, another thing that we should pray in the midst of our anxieties, because oftentimes when we're praying about our anxieties, we're saying, God, this thing is so terrible right now. This thing is making me so anxious. If this thing happens, God, then this thing is going to happen. Then another thing is going to happen. Help with this, God. Please stop all of this. And you need to be praying to God, but sometimes all that is is worry. And what your prayer should be when you're doing that, yes, you can pray about anything you want to, as we just read in Philippians, to bring all of that to Him, but turn your prayer into a prayer of adoration. Somebody tell me, what is a prayer of adoration? Who God is? A prayer of praise? So what you're doing, because if you remember, your worries are saying, God, you're not in control. But taking your focus off of whatever it is that's causing you worry and shifting it to God and saying, God, you are in complete control. You are on a throne. You are over everything. You are more powerful than anything in all of creation. You're reminding your anxious heart who's in control and who is powerful enough to deal with these things. And so shifting your focus off of those anxieties and on to Him. And then another thing that we need to be doing is looking to the future. And I know some of you may be saying, wait a minute, John, didn't you say worry is associated with the future? Didn't we read Jesus Christ saying, do not worry about tomorrow? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And obviously what what I'm saying here is looking toward heaven. That in the midst of your worry, in the midst of your anxiety, to think of what Jesus Christ secured for you. A place with no stress. An existence that does not have worry. I mean, look at Revelation 21. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Take these verses, Revelation 21, 3 
and four. And just look at, you know, He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. What makes you cry? What makes you weep? It's not going to be there, whatever it is. There won't be any pain there. No more suffering. No more cancer. No more divorce. No more rape. No more racism. No more kidnapping. No more injustice of any kind. No more getting left out of the party. As you pull up Instagram, you see everyone was invited except you. No more harsh words spoken to you. No more concerns about your body and what it looks like because it's going to be freaking awesome in heaven and perfect. None of that ever. No more stress. No more sleepless nights where you get in the bed and you cannot go to sleep because your day was miserable. And then you wake up groggy, going to school again, and you just don't want to go and you don't want to do it. You'll never have any of that ever again. Raise your hand if you think that's awesome. If you didn't raise it, you were asleep. But do you know what? The best part is Jesus Christ is there. That we actually get to fill the embrace of the man who hung on a cross and took all of your filthy junk on himself and gave you His righteousness. We get to actually meet that man. We get to thank Him for securing that. And we get to do that every day into eternity. That He's the best part of heaven. And so as we go through these anxieties in our lives, please remind yourself there is a day coming when they're going to stop. And Jesus Christ made sure of it. Now look, here's the good news. Please listen. Here's the good news of your worry. The good news of your worry is if you remember, your soul is telling you when you have worry, this is not how it's supposed to be. Your soul is saying, there's another life that I was created for. And what your worries do, they help you let go of this world. Because this world is great, it's beautiful, as we've said, a week like this where you're here with friends and you get to enjoy beautiful creation and all sorts of memories, this world is pathetic compared to the next life. And as I said, I have a wife and five children, and I love them dearly, but I'm ready to go home. This is not my home. And the older you get, the more pain and the more suffering you've seen. I'm not saying if you're younger you have not gone through that. But you start to think of Paul in Philippians 1, of just ready to get out of here and to go home. And so let your worry point you to the next life. Let your worry remind you what Jesus Christ has done. And to remember, I mean, Jesus Christ was tempted in every way you are without sin. Every single form of anxiety you deal with, Jesus Christ was tempted with. And if you want to push back and be like, well, I don't know about that. I mean, just the Garden of Gethsemane, one of those places. I mean, sweating drops of blood. His best friends could not stay awake to even pray for Him. All of them scattered. And then He went through the most violent, graphic, horrific execution we could imagine. 
And He did all of that for you. So reflecting on all that He's accomplished. And then lastly, to realize you need help. You need help. You do not need to act like you've got it all together. You do not need to act like you've got things figured out. Again, I think this is the last time I'm quoting Richie Sessions, but him kind of keeping everyone at arm's length. You know, just, okay, yeah, like I can kind of have some just superficial conversation, but I'm not going to let you in. To realize you need people to help you. And ultimately, you need the church. You need the church. And I know that would be ranked up there on like the boring scale when I told you you need to read the Bible and pray, you need the church. And I know to many of you, look, I said this when I was in high school. To my shame, I said this. I said to some friends, I can't wait till I get out of high school so I don't have to go to church anymore. And I can promise you, I thank God that He saved me from my stupid self who thought I had things figured out. And... How many times I've said, God, thank you for your church. Because it's vital to survive in this world. I mean, just as we talked about last night, the, the joy to gather together and to sing truth back to God, to hear God's Word preached, to have people pray. Look, to remind yourself you're not insane. Because this world is trying to convince you you're crazy. And that book over there is crazy. But to remind yourself of the truth. To remind yourself that you need help. And and leaning on the individuals that God has placed in your life. Because I know some of you aren't going to like to hear this, but look, you need to talk to your parents about your worries. And I know guys are the worst of this. Like when you get home from a trip and your parents are like, hey, how was RWAM? It was good. End of discussion. That's it. That's all they get. But to have a serious conversation about what you're afraid of. Mom, Dad, I know you want me to take all of these AP classes in the fall, but I'm really stressed. And I don't think I, I can do that. Mom, Dad, I know this was kind of the plan, but I just don't know if I should pursue this direction. To, to admit that to your parents. And I know, sadly, because we live in a broken world, as I'm talking to a room this size, some of you come from broken families. And so maybe you don't have a mom to talk to. Maybe you don't have a father to talk to. It's the beauty of God's church. Jesus Christ created the church. He died for the church to give you spiritual mothers and fathers that are connected to you by His blood. They are just as much your family as anyone else regardless of if they have the same skin color as you, the same last name as you, they are your family. So talk to somebody. Because this is maybe the most obvious statement I can make here. Satan is the biggest punk on the face of the earth. And if you're a child of God, he knows he's lost. But he is going to make your life miserable all the way. He's going to make your life a living hell until you get to heaven. And so what he wants you to do is to keep all of your anxieties inside. And to torture yourself. And to make you feel miserable. But as soon as you open up to somebody and you talk about it, you're shining a light on it and healing starts to begin. Okay, I lied to you guys. Quoting Richie Sessions one more time. 
What did he say last night when he finally opened up to his friend? This one disgusting thing that he did not want to share, his friend said what? Said what? Yeah, I've heard, I've heard somebody share that before. It's not a big deal. So you're so afraid of something, of being known by other people and by sharing vulnerabilities. So getting you, talk to your parents, talk to a youth worker, talk to a chaperone on the strip, talk to a mentor in your church. But you need help. God designed us to function in community. Christianity is a community thing. And to see the beauty of, of His church. And so look, as I, as I close this down, I wanted to leave just a little bit of time for q and I know there's not much at all. Um, I did want to say, I know this sounds just self-promotion type stuff, but I did want to share this. I, I wrote this book because of incredible insecurities I dealt with most of my life and still struggle with today. That I was mocked and made fun of in junior high to such a degree that I, it was just... I was physically ill when I'd go to school most mornings. And carrying some of those into high school, getting diagnosed with ADD and being ashamed of that. And so I wrote this specifically for teenagers to point them to Christ in the midst of just insecurities because we all struggle with them. And part of why I did that and part of why I'm you know, thinking of just the church is when you realize you're not alone. That... Everyone struggles with certain things. And so I pray that that's how the Lord can use that to encourage you. I mean, it's interesting to hear. I mean, I've heard some interviews lately with like Will Ferrell. Raise your hand if you know Will Ferrell. He said he's an incredibly insecure person. Like, what? Will Ferrell, Jerry Seinfeld, Conan O'Brien. They're all comedians, but they're all incredibly insecure. And hearing them talk about that. um, So just admitting that. Go ahead and put it out there. And you can know you're not alone. And then another book that's out there by Tim Lane, Living Without Worry. This book was not written for teenagers. You can obviously grasp this. I'm not saying that, but some of the examples and illustrations aren't necessarily going to connect with you. But there's very good content in here. Um, And and I bring this up because there's a... Well, Paul David Tripp, uh, many of you know Paul David Tripp, he says... You know, it's important to go to seminars like this to hear things taught, but it's more important what you do after the seminar. After you sit here and you receive information, that can help you, but what are you going to do now that you're leaving? And so hopefully some of those resources can be helpful. What are some questions you guys have before I pray? Yes? Tell us the name of your book. Uh, It's called Insecure. Sorry. That's good. Insecure. Um, and then living without worry, how to replace anxiety with peace. Um, any questions? Anything I said that was not clear that I need to clarify? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think, um, yes, number four was read your Bible. Yes, Bible and prayer. And then number five was grow your understanding of God. Good question. Yes. Hmm. That's a good question. A specific passage that I would encourage you to turn to when you become anxious. I mean, some of the ones that I've referenced in this class for sure, and today, every point I made, I tried to have it backed up with Scripture. Um, this sounds just kind of like a, a, 
a big answer to that, but the Psalms have been deeply encouraging to me when I've had anxiety. Um, because some of the Psalms, I mean, there's just a lot of vulnerability there, a lot of suffering. Um, to, to think, you know, you can read something written by David. I mean, I'm thinking Psalm 51 just off the top of my head. Right after David commits adultery with Bathsheba and then murders someone to get away with it, he writes that psalm. And so you think about what was going on in his heart and mind as he wrote that. Um, and so some of those, as you enter into the psalms and you feel what the psalmist is feeling can just be deeply encouraging. So I know there's 150 of them. Um, some of them end very discouraging, but it's real at the same time. So that'd be one way, one place to point you to, as well as Matthew 6, talking specifically about anxiety. Um, like I said, trying to grow our image of who God is, uh, giving us a bigger picture of God, um, because that helps in the midst of anxiety. Did that help? Because I just said a lot of things. Okay. Good. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Awesome. Excellent question. I'm glad I can uh, clarify that. So, if you remember um, all the way back on day one, when I said, you know, we're all afraid, we all hide, that fear came about because of the fall, but I did say fear most likely existed before Genesis 3 because we're commanded to fear the Lord. And so when we think of like this big umbrella of fear and all of these types of fear maybe fit underneath it, um, that we need to know this fear of the Lord that we're told is, um, is more of like a reverential awe of God. I mean, as I've heard some people say, the entire Bible is a study on the fear of the Lord. Um, so it's kind of hard to narrow it down to just one word. But having that reverential awe and fear. And I think when, when Jesus specifically says, you know, fear Him who can cast both body and soul in hell. He's talking about that reverential fear we need to have of God. And He's also talking about a sobriety. We've got to remember we're not going to live forever. And so we should be awakened from our stupor to think about and reflect upon this. So when Jesus tells us to fear, He's not talking about those kind of sinful types of fear. Did all that make sense? Yeah. It's okay. Okay, yeah, good question. I'm glad I can clarify that. Any other questions before I close this out? Yes. Hmm. Yes, yeah, very good question. Is it okay to still have that kind of anxious fear, like as we say, oftentimes just our stomach, the tightening of our you know throat as, as we talked about some of those kind of physical effects? I think that's just going to be a reality until we get home. that yes, God can grow you in certain aspects of you know as we've talked about of your fears and your anxiety to where you can look back and say wow God's actually grown me more than I've realized where I'm not as anxious as I used to be but to know there's still going to be those anxieties that we're dealing with that are so hard and may have you know physical effects of sweaty palms heart beating um, 
But in the midst of that, I mean, looking back to, to Philippians 4, and I mean, just again, referencing Richie's sermon last night was just excellent on continually bringing those before the Lord. Of, okay, God, I'm having these physical effects right now. You're telling me not to be anxious. I know I need to cast all these upon you because as Richie said, there's not, okay, let's pray here. Okay, then we get done praying. Now let's just go live life. There's this constant prayer when we realize, okay, this is not just concern, which is okay. This is getting into where God has commanded us not to be anxious. And so just constantly taking that back to the Lord, but realizing it's going to be, it's going to be a fight. We're going to, to wrestle. Um, and that's part of where it gets tough because what we often want to do is find the easy way out. And so sometimes we just kind of numb ourselves. Again, what Richie said, scrolling through social media, whatever it is, we can just get our minds off of those things instead of actually falling before the Lord and trying to deal with it. Um, so does that help to... That was kind of a long, rambling answer. Um, good question. I think I need to close this out. I'll stick around here if others would like to talk and ask questions. I appreciate you guys speaking up. I appreciate your, your questions. Um, yeah, let me pray for us. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. I pray, God, that You would help us to see the power of Your Word, um, that You're such a loving Father to talk about pain and suffering, that You do not sugarcoat this world, that You talk about pain to prepare us for this world, but You're so powerful You also use pain uh, to help us conform us more into the image of Your Son. Um, I pray again for all of these students. You know everything they're dealing with. You know all the anxieties in their hearts and minds. You know what's, what they're going to be dealing with when they go back home. Please help them remember you are already back home where they're headed. You're already right here. You're always with them. And that you would use life in a broken world to draw them more closely to you. And they would be faithful servants in your kingdom to help point others to you. Father, I pray for those unbelievers who may be present. I pray that they would sincerely, Holy Spirit, help them to think about the state of their soul. Help them to see the beauty of of Christ, the beautiful um, eternity He has secured for them, and that they would talk with someone about that. Father, please go with these students as they head back home and help them uh, to cling to You and to be reminded that You never let go of them, even in the midst of uh, their anxieties. That's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.